If you are struggling with your putt right now, today's episode of the Chinklinkers Disc Golf Podcast with Raven Newsom is going to fix that. He gives us some amazing advice ranging from how to approach the greens mentally all the way to the disc physically leaving your hand. Raven goes in depth and shares his knowledge on how you can become a better putter. Coming from the guy who is currently sitting in second in C2 putting, I think Raven knows a thing or two what he's talking about. Let's learn how we can all become a better disc golf putter right now. My name's Raven Newsom. I'm sponsored by MVP Disc Sports, and you're listening to the Chain Clinkers Podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to the Chain Clinkers Disc Golf Podcast, presented by Upper Park Disc Golf, who is reminding you to be a good human out on the courts. Upper Park Disc Golf strives to promote good values and be responsible citizens in our community and in the world. They strive to be kind, compassionate, and understanding of others, and to use their platform to spread positivity and understanding. They believe in being open-minded and accepting of all genders, races, sexual orientations, and religions and are also committed to sustainability and protecting the environment in which we play. They strive to make our actions and words reflect their core values. Upper Park Disc Golf plays differently from other companies, and this is just kind of going through and explaining why they are different, why their bags are better, their core values separate them from other disc golf bag manufacturers. And if you're looking to upgrade your disc golf bag this summer, make sure you use promo code CLINKERS10 at checkout to save yourself 10% and support the podcast. Today, we have one of the most lethal putters on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. We are joined by Raven Newsom, who's currently sitting at second in Circle 2 putting, sitting at 39%. That is an astonishing number, absolutely killing it in the Circle 2 putting. He's a sniper. He's got the long bow, bow and arrow uh celebration i'm a fan of it i pulled it out myself i i definitely love a good arrow shot so raven how are we doing tonight man i'm doing good man i'm doing good i'm happy to be here and uh i'm i'm a big fan of the people at upper park so uh heed what he said and go get yourself an upper park bag and use his uh use his code because uh they're really good people and they make really good bags that's true and we appreciate those code usages as it does help keep the lights on, which is important to continue to do this podcast. So if, if you like this podcast and you're looking for a new disc golf bag, highly recommend it. Today, we're talking to Raven a little bit about what his disc golf journey has been like in 2022, 2023, kind of recapping his season, where he's going, what he's working on, as well as giving you guys insight into how you can improve your putting. Raven has some amazing putting tips coming up, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But let's kind of just start here raven let's look back on 2022 in a couple of sentences how would you describe your 2022 season of disc golf i started the season injured and i wanted to be able to play so bad and i couldn't and i had to go home and rest recover or a physical therapist for eight weeks three times a week uh, to try and get better and it took about six months before I got back up to like full playing and so finally got to full power uh, right at Green Mountain Championships and played Green Mountain Championships and MVP Open and then I was leading MVP Open after the first round and that was really fun and it was nice to finally be back into full swing again and then the season was over <laughs> so 
I had a very short season last year, and I am very excited for the rest of the season to come. Yeah, and can you remind me one more time, what was the specific injury you were dealing with? So I had a UCL strain, uh, I had tendonitis in my tricep, and I had to have an elbow adjustment because my bone had shifted out of place. Um, and so all of that had been putting strain on my shoulder uh, and my upper muscles and my shoulders, my lats and traps and all of the all the good stuff. And I had to do a lot of physical therapy to re-strengthen those muscles so that I would use less elbow because my elbow is compensating for the upper shoulder. So I had to spend a lot of physical therapy, not just repairing the elbow itself, but also my shoulder muscles so they were strong enough to handle the amount of torque that we're giving uh, on tour. And was that something that was kind of caused by repetitive motions on those specific body parts or was it one throw and you just knew instantly I'm, I'm hurt? No, I was, uh, uh, over time for sure. And then very severe and in a very short amount of time, but I went from, uh, I played a tournament every single weekend from February 14th, Valentine's day weekend, all the way through the pro tour championships, uh, which was like every weekend for seven months, something like that, which was crazy, super long. And I didn't really think about how bad that was for me because I played disc golf all the time beforehand. So I wasn't really worried about it. But then uh, I went from, in the last like month before the USDC, I went from like a 440 foot forehand to like a 500 foot forehand. And uh, when I went to my physical therapist afterwards, and I was just yakking them for USDC and Pro Tour Championships and all that. And when I went to, uh, when I went to my doctors, they're like, that's the equivalent of going from like a 95 mile an hour fastball to a 130 mile an hour fastball in a month. And I was like, oh. oh. And they were like, yeah. And then you're just throwing it as hard as you can over and over. No wonder you're hurt. And I was like, yeah, darn it. So <laughs> um, I had to do a lot of physical therapy and it stunk, but it got to the point where I couldn't even take my shirt on and off. Um, I, I had to eat with my left hand because if I had pressure while my elbow was bent at a certain angle, it would like freak out and it would hurt really bad. So I had to start learning to do everything left-handed and that sucks because I am not very good at left-handed things. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it, you know, especially spending your whole life doing right-handed things and having to switch up. And right. so what would you say is like your big like walking away point from the whole process like if you could do it all over again was there something you could have done that would have avoided this i like avoided getting injured yeah taking a break <laughs> that's it's that yeah take a break don't be afraid to rest every once in a while because uh i'm on a i'm on a schedule now where it's traditionally three weeks on one week off and i am completely content with that but when I go eight weeks and I'm and I'm playing every Tuesday through Sunday and then driving 12 hours on Monday to the next spot, it's like you're just going to beat yourself up. And it's hard. It's uneasy on the body. But, I mean, you do what you can. And uh, I'm, a lot of times form can help with that. If you have really pure form, you're using all of your muscles at the same time. But you still have the rest. Because once your muscles start to get tired, you start to compensate and use other ones. And once you start doing that, you can you can really hurt yourself. So just making sure to rest. And in hindsight, uh, I probably would have had four more off weeks than I did on tour, and I probably would have been all right. 
Gotcha. And so when you're doing these off weeks, is it not even touching a disc at all or still maybe getting in or, some lighter practice rounds, maybe just putting or what, what do those off weeks look like? Lighter, lighter rounds here and there in putting, uh, still, still form work every once in a while, but I'm not, I'm not throwing hard. Um, mm. and it's important to like not go full tilt. Um, and then the other thing is active recovery. So using massage gun, using a TENS unit, uh, uh stretching, uh, making sure that you're just taking care of your body as best you can. Like it's really important because I mean, this is what we do for a living and this is like our job and I had it all taken away for yeah. six seven months and i was like okay this is hard now so it's nice to just remember to take care of all of it and now i'm super happy because i'm not having any pain anymore playing i'm not having any of that i still get a little more sore than i used to but i'm cleared for 100 percent effort i can throw four hands as hard as i want to again and just make sure i don't overdo anything and stretch and i'm happy to be back in it i feel like mentally that has to be easing almost to know that you're back to 100 percent and it's more of just rest it wasn't some freak injury and kind of where i'm going with that is like and i'm not trying to put words in anyone's mouth but when i look at eagles injury for example it seemed as though it was on a freak incident that was not normal and he hasn't been able to quite get back to being able to trust that forehand. But from what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like you are back to being able to trust and do everything that you used to be able to do prior to your injury. Would you kind of agree with that? I think a lot of parts of that are true. And I think that there are some parts that are, uh, that give me tweaks a little bit because the mentality, once you get into an injury is really hard to shake off of, uh, I lost months of competing that other people got to have but at the same time I was working so hard and I would argue a lot of times that I was working harder than almost anyone on tour but my work was I get to throw 20 shots today and I have to throw them 100 feet 125 feet 150 feet and then I have to stop and do literally nothing with my arm the rest of the day and like I've always been an above and beyond kind of person and to have to sit there and not do things because I could hurt myself was really hard. And that and that was frustrating and that was difficult, but I had to work really hard to get there. Uh, but the mentality comes after of like you spend seven, eight months trying to play disc golf again and you get to come back at 60% and you have to convince yourself you cannot do something and not being able to throw a forehand 400 feet you have to convince yourself that you can't so that you don't go and do it. And I spent all that time doing that. But now that I can, I have to believe in myself enough to actually do it and trust it and trust the angles and not be like uh, softing it or overcompensating or trying to believe in myself that I have the ability to do it. It's like, I can. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> I've done it. Now I have to trust that I can't do it. And that And that part, that's harder for a lot of people. And I know first-hand experience and for eagle that a lot of that is really hard his shoulder is getting better and better but it's gonna be a long time before he trusts throwing that forehand after the injury and whether it's because it's actually still injured or not i don't know it's just it there is a tough mental battle that goes on because you have to convince yourself you're not good enough to do something then when you finally are you have to convince yourself that you are good enough to do it to trust it and to be good at doing it so yeah. it's a whole situation man <laughs> 
Yeah, I can definitely see the you know the seesaw effect on that of flipping the switch off and then trying to flip it back on. But right. do you really trust yourself to actually, even though they say you're fine, you know, do you actually trust yourself to do that? And so, kind of fast forwarding to 2023, when you look back at the end of the season, how would you define a successful season? Uh, for me, yeah. Um. I started the season with the hopes of being able to win a Pro Tour Championships uh, or a Pro Tour Champion. Wait, a Pro Tour event. Good Lord. <laughs> um, but I, I still want to do that. And I think winning a Silver Series or a Pro Tour, that's where it's at. And I think if you get five top tens or you're on a lead card for the, the final round five times throughout the throughout the season, that's really important. And I think that that is something I can be happy with, and especially coming off of an injury before, trying to get back into the swing of playing tournaments again. It's like so many parts of the game are connecting, and once they all hit the right way, it's going to be really good, and it's going to be full steam ahead. And it's just one of those things that you have to be able to trust. Uh, but I think that a good season is going to be uh, winning a winning a pro tour event uh or being in the hunt several times on coverage millions of views that that kind of thing because that's what makes you uh valuable to your sponsors and that's that's the goal we want to accrue value <laughs> yeah absolutely how much does that kind of play in the back of your head during a, a weekend or you know maybe during the practice round before the event of like okay i really need to make a push at this event like let's take uh you know, Maple Hill, for example, it's an MVP sponsored event. Like, is that it. tournament more important that you do well at because it's a home sponsor, or does it really matter at all? Um, I think a lot of times they're all the same. Um, it's it's you want to go and do your best to win at every event. Now that being said, MVP is special to me, and it's special to MVP. One, it's because it's an MVP event, but two, uh, MVP. Maple Hill has just been a magical place for me for a long time. And so it's been, I, I have enjoyed going there since I started touring. And now uh, I'm, I met my girlfriend there and uh, her, my girlfriend's uncle owns the property. And it's like, it's, to me, it's a really, it's a special thing. And I enjoy Maple Hill a lot and I have good memories and, and good vibes on that course. And I, I enjoy it. To me, that one is my most important one that I do well at every year. Uh, but you want to do your best at all of them, regardless of whether or not it's your sponsor's event. But if it is, it makes it all that much more sweeter. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking a little bit about MVP, they got on the win board this last weekend uh, at the Music City Open. Simon was able to pull out a W. Has there been an atmosphere shift pre and post Simon joining Team MVP? Have you? Is there a noticeable difference in the company or the atmosphere of the team or anything like that? Um, as far as the atmosphere of the team goes, I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of a shift. I think that the notable the notable things that have happened is like James winning Worlds in 2021. When we first signed James that year, everyone was super excited. Then when he won Worlds with the shot, a bunch of interest came up. And it was one of those where it was like, okay, like, MVP's doing it. And then we signed Simon. And Simon goes and 
wins this pro tour after winning the MVP Open, and it's one of those like, okay. And Simon brings his fan base, James brings his, I bring mine. It's one of those where it's like we're we're able to impact a lot uh, of what's happening in the social perception of MVP, and it's really cool to see Simon go out and win by birdieing the last eight holes in a row to win by a stroke. That is a very impressive feat, and that is really cool to have happen by a teammate who loves this game. I don't know. I think that that's a special thing, and MVP has been good for a long time, and it's cool to finally see uh, that success coming out and people seeing that in a way because they can relate to Simon or they can relate to me or they can relate to James or they can relate to Dan or any of that. It's just like people are starting to notice it more, and and it's cool because uh, we're a very legit company, and we make some really good discs, and it's awesome to see it all showing on on the big stage. Yeah, the hype is definitely real. And so talk to me a little bit about MVP's plastic, the gyro technology. I hear that buzzword thrown out a lot, but I'm not exactly sure how it makes the disc fly differently. Can you can you enlighten me at all? All right, I'm going to preface it with this. I am not a scientist. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> that being said, I have, I have a fair understanding, at least to my knowledge, um... MVP discs, MVP and Axiom discs are, are two-part molds. You have a core that's built, and then you have an outer ring of the plastic that's made, right? That shapes the wing, that does uh, that does it all. And because it's two, it's molded in two parts, um, mm-hmm. they're able to increase glide. So it allows you to generate not so much glide, but it allows you to generate more rotations at the same rate of speed. That you'll have from another disc so uh it's traditionally shown more in putters i am under the impression that with putters it's 18 percent or 13 percent higher spin rate uh one of the two but it's it's like 13 percent. i think it, we'll go with that to be safe it may be 18 but it generates more rotations with less speed and it allows you to throw things and it makes it look like i throw farther than i actually do which is nice but you throw the two-part mold, then it allows your disc to spin more. And when you generate more spin, you can have longer controlled lines to the ground, which in turn just helps all, all different kinds of shots. You want to be able to have more spin because that allows you to have more control. And the more control you have, the better uh, game you're going to be able to play because disc golf is a game of consistency. So the more control you can have, the more consistency you can have, the higher your placements are going to be. Um, so in putters, you get about 13% mids. I think it's like 9% in drivers, it gets to like five or 4%. But when you're, when you think about it, when you're throwing 800 rotations a minute, you're getting, you're getting 5% of that. Like that's huge. That's like, that's like, what is it? 40 more rotations every minute or whatever like that i don't know if those are the right numbers but when you think about it like that that adds in if you're throwing something that's 100 rotations a second which isn't the case but if you do and you throw a putter that's at 13 percent, you get an extra 13 rotations and in turn when your shot lasts 15 seconds that's 15 times 13 you're you're over was 160 65 185 more rotations and in turn that just allows you to uh, have more control and more control over time and that 
is really helpful. And so does that help with just throwing them or, you know, you've mentioned putting or, or putters at least. Does that help also then with putting at the basket, like having a more controlled, predictable flight or like how, or is there not much of an impact on actual putting? I would say there's not as much of an impact on actual putting because your disc in the air for a putt uh, doesn't rotate that much, even if you're a spin putter because you're not throwing it very far. Uh, even a even a putt that's going 60 feet in your spin putter, you might get 15 rotations on it, maybe. But it, the disc in the air for four seconds, three seconds, a lot of times. So it's one of those that's like, it can impact, and also at the same time, uh, it's so minuscule. I would imagine for the shorter distances that it's it's hard to tell the difference. When I'm when I'm putting my friends' putters or something like that, just messing around, I don't notice too much of a difference, even if it's the same numbers as my putter. Unless gotcha. I'm throwing it, in which case you'll start to notice a little bit. Gotcha. So it's more when you actually are throwing the discs compared to just putting them. And so if there was a new player listening to this podcast and they don't have any MVP Axiom discs in their bag, what would be a couple of good recommendations that you would make? Um, how new are we talk? Let's say within six months, lower than 900 rated. Um, and Envy is a great disc. Uh, I think that Envy is one of the best discs in the game, and I'm saying it. I know that I was sponsored by MVP. I'm not saying it because I'm supposed to say it. I'm saying it because I genuinely think it's one of the best discs in the game. I, I believe it is the best throwing putter on the market, just plain and simple. Uh, I think that a... Um, let's see. Uh, mid-range is really good as a reactor. I love the Eclipse reactors. They're torque resistant. They're they're smooth. They fly kind of like a rock or a buzz for the people that are more familiar with that. Uh, straight with a little bit of finish is very good. And then as far as uh, like a fairway or uh, I, I guess driver, uh, I would get a Fission Photon. They get really good carry. Our Fission Plastic has uh, enhanced gyrotech, um, so it allows for more additions to the way that they mold that plastic is different than the regular two-part mold in which it allows there to be more rotations uh, during the during the throw. And so my fission photons go farther than my other photons do because I get more spin and more rotation out of it. So get some fission photons. I love them, uh, and they go really far. Gotcha. And I know it's pretty windy here in Kansas. Does the wind in this gyro technology, does it have any different effects like is it better cutting through the wind or is it really just like any other disc i would say it's like any other disc in that in that instance because uh it's just about velocity and thickness of the disc and regardless if it's tech gyro or not it's the same specs like size wise so it's gonna have the same difficulty in the wind gotcha cool so you're saying to me that this gyro technology is going to give me some more rotations, which in turn should give some more distance. You've given some examples for people to kind of go out and and try for themselves. And, and if you are listening to this and you go try some of those discs, we would definitely love to uh, hear what your thoughts on those discs were. You can hit us up on Instagram at Chanklinkers. Or if you want, you can even do it on the old TikTok. We just started one of those. Oh, nice. Um, I've sold my soul to those who run TikToks. So 
I had uh, to. I couldn't even download it. I downloaded it and watched it for two hours, and then I had to delete it. I was like, nope, this was where I will ruin my life. I will watch TikToks for five hours because I have like, I would just get addicted. So I had. I was like, no, sir. You're done. <laughs> that is aggressively fair. I did that initially when we first got it because we were going to do a push to be on TikTok. You know, it's obvious it's a growing social media platform, which probably be on there. And then I was like, I will probably just sit here and watch videos all day. And then I just ended up watching Facebook reels or Instagram reels instead. And I was like, like well, okay, there's no difference. This literally came from TikTok. So You're like, if it's this is fine. happening, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah and you can if you get the algorithm right you can actually probably get some pretty useful stuff out of there and yeah i just had a i just had a real at like nine hundred and fifty thousand views or something like Sheesh. that right? what, what was it we're playing virtual disc golf oh yeah Did you I see it? yes i can't remember what? if i messaged you about it or not or what? maybe i put it on our story or something like that i i want to talk about that that was not in the pre-conversation but now it's made it um okay. <laughs> first off where is this at and texas in houston sorry yeah no that's fine so t-box what texas. in houston okay t-box texas in houston t-box texas in houston and is this disc golf specific or do they also have like ball golf simulators like what what is it like golf simulator it's like a it's called t-box is like the place and so they have golf they have uh soccer they have like where you do like PK shootouts. They have like all different kinds of stuff. Um, they like baseball, but they also have disc golf. So you bring your discs, you throw them into the into the screen. They have sensors above you, beside you, below you, and uh, they track your trajectory on what they think it's going to do based off of how you hit it. Uh, it was definitely designed by someone that's played ultimate, uh, so more familiar with ultimate discs. You're, you're getting less spade than you would with a disc golf disc. But honestly, as far as like a first run of that it's pretty solid and uh once they i think once a disc golfer gets a hold of it and starts to tweak it a little bit it'll be really good like you don't have to have the disc stay in the basket you just have to hit metal and it counts and oh, wow. uh, they don't mark where the ob is but if you go ob you have to rethrow from where you're at with a stroke penalty and you don't know where you did rock so there's like there's like little things but once that part gets like gets like messed with it will be It'll be really solid. It'll be really solid. And so let's talk pricing. I mean, how expensive is it to kind of go out and do one of these with, with some friends? Is it reasonable? Um, I think it's like... So let me preface it with uh, we went there to build social media, so they let us just go there for free and comp all of our stuff. But yeah. they're awesome people. <laughs> um, but that being said, I'm under the impression it's like Forty dollars an hour for a bay. Oh, that's so nothing. you can you can rent it with people. Maybe maybe fifty dollars, but I I don't really know. Uh, yeah, 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 like, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. I just I was trying to get an idea because also kind of what comes to mind is like Top Golf is huge. I assume you've been to Top Golf. You look at all the disc golfers. They go to Top Golf a lot and post yeah. it on the social medias. And Top so if you did top golf, but with disc golf, I've literally had this conversation so many times with my brother-in-law who helps with the podcast ratio and just other disc golfers here in Wichita. I'm like, if there was some sort of virtual disc golf or top golf or disc golf, or like even like mini golf, but you're playing disc golf with like a mini disc, that would be so much fun. I feel like 
disc if you're in a good spot of disc golfers and also general public i feel like people would really turn out for something like that yeah definitely i agree 100 percent. yeah and i can't remember where it is in texas but someone just opened a i think it's called like home run dugouts or something like that where it's top golf but it's for baseball and it's all vr and they have like a full-size wiffle ball field and two restaurants sports bars i mean it looks pretty cool and uh so if disc golf could get something like that i really think that would help mainstream it and i feel like i mean you know a little bias here obviously but i feel like it, it might be a little easier for people to get into like disc golf like that comparatively to ball golf because i've gone to top golf my fair share of times and i have whiffed my fair share of times it's kind of hard to whiff a disc it's hard to whiff it. It's hard to like go up there and try and throw it and then not throw it. Yes. You're going to throw it somewhere. Uh, yes. Forward? I don't know. Forward's hard. Yeah. <laughs> that is fair. That yeah. is fair. But yeah, so a uh, little tangent there, a little couple-minute tangent there, but definitely uh, that's pretty cool. I, I do remember, now that you bring that up, I do remember seeing that and being like, wow, that's dope. I would love to have one of those in town. I would definitely go there. Yeah. But there was a virtual disc golf thing around. I think it would be very popular and, I mean, would just burn through the market because if I'm getting a something where I put in five seconds to make a real and it was 950,000 people. It got like almost 40,000 shares. So it's something where wow. people are just like, holy cow, this is crazy, and send it around. And it's like if there's that high of a demand in such a small market, like what happens when you open it up to the world? It's yeah. That type of thing. If it becomes a mainstream thing or they make it specifically for that and then have other stuff, it's going to, especially in a place with a big disc golf presence, will make so much money. Yeah, agreed. It would be nice if the likes of, because that was on Instagram, I'm pretty sure, right? It would be nice if Instagram Reels, you could get paid out from those, especially when you know you see those big numbers, like, wow, almost a million people saw this, and I didn't really generate a whole lot from it. Yeah, you can get monetization for it. You can or? or, Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's clutch. And like, yeah, I think you get, uh, you get paid per reel as it gets a certain amount of views and engagement and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. yeah. We have those tools on and I go and click on them and it just gives me a, like something that I then cannot click on and I just have not taken the time to uh, look into it more. And yes, <laughs> when I like, I notice it too, man. Cause I'm like, I'm like, uh, all right. Well, and then, oh, well. Like, and then I'm like, all right, I have 30 minutes. Let me just figure this thing out. And then, yeah. Yeah, but it takes time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, hey, let's talk a little bit about those putting tips. I know I kind of mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, and uh, I kind of mentioned it a little bit beforehand. It's okay if you don't, but if you do have five specific events that will help improve putting, we can go in a, a list order. Do you have okay. kind of a list order, or do we want to just kind of spitball it? Um, uh, I can I can come up with a list order. I didn't know it needed to be five, but what I can do is I can teach putting really fast. That works for me. That's okay. Cool. So let's just let's that. just start with like number one. What is if you're giving putting advice? What is the first thing that comes to your mind that disc golfers have to do correctly? Uh, to acknowledge the fact that there are four fundamental components that make putts go in. Right. Uh, first 
is making sure that you're uh, having good weight transfer. So your weight has to shift from the back to the front, or if you're straddle putting, from down to up, bending your knees, transferring your weight to the basket so that the weight of the putt doesn't just come off of your hands. When it comes off of your hands, things get wild. It, it's harder to control, especially once you start to get nervous. So make sure the weight comes from your back to your front or from low to up. Um, and then second, making sure that the disc stays in line with the pole, down the stroke, and up the stroke. So when you bring the disc down, bring it all the way down the pole, and then when you bring it up, bring it up the pole, to the basket because the biggest no-no in disc golf is missing left and right from inside uh, 40 feet. You've got you've got to only be missing high and low, and you've got to be drawing metal. Like that's just that's the biggest no-no. You should not be missing left and right. Your your misses should just be high and low. You need to be releasing in line with the pole, especially if you want to compete at the higher divisions. That's just what you got to do. Uh, so making sure that one you have good weight transfer. Two, that you're keeping the disc in line with the pole. Three, every good putt has some spin. All putts have rotation. It's what makes the disc stay in the air. It's what allows it to fight the wind. So naturally giving yourself a little bit of spin. Um, I always coach that if you look at your disc like it's a clock, the 12 is at the top, and then you go one, two, three, you're going to have your, uh, if you're right-handed, you're going to have the pointer finger, the, the first knuckle of your pointer finger sitting at the 130 position. And all you're going to do is move that knuckle to the 3 o'clock position. That's it. That's all the spin that you need. You're just going to get that little bit of action. And then everything else is just going to come from your legs and making sure that you're transferring the weight. Just let your arm kind of guide it in. So your first is weight transfer. Your second is staying in line with the pole. Your third is spin. And the most important of any of them is follow through. So no matter what, you've got to follow through the basket, deliver your hand through the basket, keep your hand up until the disc is in the basket. And that way you can know if you missed right, where you released from your hand to make it miss right. Or you can then make the, the easy adjustment. You learn from your mistakes when you're having bad putting. But that's why you see the best putters in the world not have bad putting days they have they missed three putts or something like that and that's like not a great putting round for them but it's because when they make the mistake they learn from it they correct it and then they move forward and it's like when you're so in tune with your stroke it's easy to make the adjustment but for a lot of beginner players and advanced level players they're not super in tune with their putting stroke so the best way to learn and get better is by uh deliberately following through and then holding your follow through until the disc hits chains or basket or whatever or if you airball left you have it your hand right where you release the disc and then you make the adjustment and then putt twice so i always teach people to, uh, to putt twice in their in their casual rounds and make sure that they make the correction off of the first one and try and make the putt so that you can be happy with your result but uh weight transfer staying in line with the pole spin and the most important is follow through so if you hit three of those components your putt's likely going to go in if you hit two of those components there's a chance that it'll go in if you hit one of those components it definitely won't go in and the only one that if you do it right 
just that one, you'll make your putt from inside 20 feet is follow through. So, so many people think that their putt works because they make 15, 20 footers, but most of the time it's because all they're using is their arm and they're just throwing with their arm. And then once they get farther and farther away, it's harder to generate that power. So they start pulling it left and right and less control. And what it really comes down to is using your legs to generate the weight and then just follow through every time with your putt. And then all of a sudden it gets a whole lot easier. And then just build it, repeat it over and over and over. So uh, weight transfer, stay in line with the pole, spin, following through, practice, 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 practice. And you're going to get really good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like that helps a lot. And when you're talking about practice, is there a certain, I don't know, practice session that you like to do that you find helps the best? Yes. So uh, people can go and check out my YouTube channel on this, uh, Raven Newsom. I think that's it. <laughs> but it is, uh, it's really good. And uh, I like to find myself putting from different distances. Uh, I like to set up stations. Uh, a lot of times I'll do 25, 30, 35, 40, and 45 feet. Uh, and then I will put 10 putters at each station and I'll go through and I'll give myself points per station where the putts are made and uh then i keep a running leaderboard of my own personal records um and it's it's great it's something that's helped incentivize me especially in the off season to push myself because i want to break my own records i want to beat past me because i want present me to be the best me at putting that there is so you want to be able to push yourself uh but i like to have those distances but also on my YouTube channel, especially when I have a, a hard time dealing with distractions or I found a lot of times that I could let really small things bug me right before I was about to putt and it made it harder for me when I was putting. Uh, and I had to be like, all right, this is on me. I got to figure out how to handle that because distractions are going to happen whether you want them to or not. So I ended up getting, uh, I <laughs> got this ad playlist on spotify and it's just irritating noises is what it's called and then i put my headphones in turn it up it's so loud that i can't hear the the basket chains and then it just goes through a bunch of irritating noises and it's like car noises babies screaming people coughing and snotting like motorcycles going off just high-pitched ringing and you just putt and putt and putt and putt and when you can make putts like that and then you go into the real world where it's calm, it's like, wow, everything's so much easier. It's like putting on a precision basket for a month and then going to a regular basket. And you're like, holy cow, look at me. I'm so good. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, I've never I've never thought about that before, but that kind of makes sense. When you can almost dial up the pressure, dial up the intensity it's going to make that basket look a whole lot bigger. And so when you're doing this, is there, well, first question I have then, so you have this set to 10. Is it a full reset in between each putt, or are you trying to put that those 10 discs in the basket as soon as possible? Um, have you ever read uh, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect? No, I can't read, unfortunately. Oh, tough, dude. I Yeah, I get so... I should read, like, audio, really good at that. But, like, well, actually reading, I just... Can't, I don't have the attention span, unfortunately. But no, I will fair. put it on the list to try to listen to. Uh, that's, up, that's up to you, man. But uh, Golf's Not a Game of Perfect is a really good... Uh, uh, is a really good thing 
So it's it's about golf. Uh, there are so many parallels between golf and disc golf, and it's uh, it's about uh, a person who has worked as a professional sports psychologist for a lot of professional golfers, in helping them with different things that are going on, whether that's putting or driving or swing thoughts or whatever it is. And so one of the most important things in uh, just all competitive sports is you want to enter like a, a flow state is what they call it. Mm. So you want to find yourself just being able to look, react, go over and over and over. And when you find yourself confident enough to do that, you traditionally play uh, better. So some of your best shooters in basketball go react and they just get into a flow state over and over and they do really well. And so the best, uh, the best thing that I, I found in this book is, especially when you're practice putting with 10 putts, 20 putts, 30 putts, you focus on your very first one, get there, wait till you are calm and controlled and you are relaxed and confident. And when you're relaxed and confident, then you putt. And when you putt, and, and a lot of your routine beforehand allows you to be relaxed and confident, and that's the goal of, of any routine before you go and putt is to be ready to putt. And the best way to do that is to be relaxed and confident. So you, you make that, you, you have a clean stroke on your first one, and then you just repeat over and over, and you try and maintain that same flow state, that same focus over and over. And so I like to do five, then reset, and then five. Because mm. I like to hold them all in my other hand while I putt. I, I like to have two putters when, I, when I'm putting at least. So I'll do four in one hand, putt until they're empty, and then reset, go through the routine, do it again. But quality practice is better than just reps. So the more quality is better than quantity every time. Gotcha. And so then when you're doing this, are you moving around the basket? So like 10 feet is on one side, 15 is on the next side, 20 on the side after that, or is it all just in a straight line? It doesn't really matter too much. I like to do it in a straight line a lot of times because you get to make the immediate adjustment in your head of this little bit more velocity, this little bit more velocity, especially when you're building a stroke to get better. Mm. Uh, because when you think about it like this, a lot of the best players on tour, they all have a putting stroke. Um, and now they just have to keep it tuned so that it continues to do well. Uh, but there's a lot of people out there that are still trying to figure out their best putting stroke and how to do it. And a lot of that comes from being able to build uh, build the stroke. And to build the stroke, a lot of times it helps having everything linear at a certain distance over and over so you know how to make the very minute adjustments as you get farther and farther and farther away. And then you can switch it up. But if you're trying to build the stroke, I like to keep it in a straight line. Gotcha. Okay. That kind of makes sense. And and so something you mentioned in the list of four was spin. And to me, and like just when, you know, you said the knuckles kind of at 130 and it kind of goes to like three and sure. then that's really all it is. I remember going to a clinic and I won't say who it was, but they were like, you have to put so much spin on the disc, even if you're a push putter that disc has to be you have to really give it a exuberant amount of spin in order for it to get to the basket and spins arguably one of the most important factors in the putt and I kind of took that maybe I just took that the wrong way because I went home and when working on that I tried to just spin the absolute heck out of it and in doing so I found myself missing more because I'd be missing left or right more 
Is that more maybe the follow through and not hitting to the pole, or is that maybe is there a downside to putting too much spin on the disc? Um, in the nicest way possible, uh, I don't, I don't agree with uh, with the person's uh, their their information of saying you need to spin the junk out of this when you when you putt. Uh, rotations help the disc glide, yes, but I suggest that you use just as much as you need to to get it into the basket and not spin, 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 because spin creates factors, factors of spitting out, factors of pulling it right and left. So if you think about it, the more spin you generate means that you need to cock your wrist more. So the more that your wrist is cocked, the more motion it has to go through before it releases. So if you're looking at my wrist and it's cocked all the way here and it's, uh, so I realize you have audio listeners too. So if it's like, if it's like cocked all the way back and then you're going to release, your angle of release can be anywhere from where it starts all the way to the end of where it finishes. In the basket itself, it's so small. But when you're here and you can release at any point in 160 degrees, then all of a sudden you can miss left and right. And when you miss left and right, you airball. One, you lose confidence. Two, that comeback putt is harder because you just spun it all the way outside circle one most of the time, which makes it even worse. So a lot of times, just having a gentle spin, because then from going from 130 to 3, my range of motion goes from here to here. So my release point becomes this, which in turn, just you're playing a numbers game. So the less... You can release way off to the side. The more narrow you can release, then if you just aim it right, all of a sudden your your consistency is going to go up and your misses aren't going to be as bad and you're going to score higher because you don't have to make as long comeback butts. I think that's very helpful and makes me feel a lot better because when I started doing that, I was like, I don't know, dude. I don't think I agree with this. I yeah. I really, this is not going well for me, and I found myself missing a lot more. And so one more question on that, and I do want to, we're starting to get a little close on time, so I do have one more question in this, and then I'll ask you a little bit about circle two putting. So the last question here then on you know kind of C1 putting and just kind of putting in general is – when you're practice putting and you find yourself in a slump of missing, is that an opportunity for you to correct, correct, correct? Or do you ever get to a point where it's like, okay, I need to stop practicing right now because all I'm doing is destroying my putting stroke and my confidence? Um, one of the best things that I think that you can do is being able to uh, not put emotionally. A lot of times you can do that. Uh, when you let fear creep into your putt, it's hard. Uh, when you let too much confidence creep into your putt, you miss. Like, you don't want to have an ungodly amount of confidence when you go and putt. That's not a good thing. It's not repeatable because you're not ungodly confident all the time that you go and putt. It's just that that's such a hard thing to repeat. Uh, and when things aren't going well, putting, it's important to remember to take a deep breath, go inside, <laughs> drink some water, relax, do something else, then come back. If your putting stroke is just starting to get better, but you notice that sometimes you're hitching and you're pulling things off to the side and stuff like that, I always suggest do 15-minute putting sessions and then stop. Go do something else. Come back, do 15 minutes, go do something else. Uh, five 15-minute sessions a day, you're still getting an hour and 15 minutes worth of putting. 
and you get to focus for 15 minutes and then you don't have to focus anymore and you just go and do something else and especially when you get to a higher level that's a great way to hone your stroke because it you don't have enough time to start learning bad habits you can only repeat the habits that you have been building Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot, lot, a lot of sense. So final question-ish for this podcast. You're obviously a stud at the C2 putting. What are a couple of factors that lead to putting well outside of the circle? What are maybe some things that you're doing differently outside of the circle compared to inside the circle? Um, well... I have a lot of trust in my ability from circle two. And I think that you shouldn't be going up to a putt being like, oh gosh, I could miss this. And I think a lot of people do. They get up to a circle two putt, they're like, oh, I'm not supposed to make this. It's from circle two. So uh, whatever happens, happens. And it's one of those like, yeah, but there's an extra stroke sitting here on the table and you're telling me you were 50 feet away and you don't want to try and earn that extra stroke. Like a lot of times... Unless it's like a really dangerous screen, I'm I'm not afraid to lay up from 50 feet sometimes. But um, what I found to be some of the most effective is trusting myself to make the putts. And I think that uh, be reading this book one has been super helpful because you have to. Uh, I started giving myself like a mantra when I go to throw. <laughs> if I once I let it go and it's not where I want it to be, I'm like it's not bad yet. Because I can land 60 feet away and still make the putt. Like that, I make 60 footers all the time. It's one of those things that you have to tell yourself, it's not bad yet. And you go up there, and when you walk up, be relaxed, confident. Take five seconds and just putt it. Let it go. Don't let yourself start to learn bad things, think, overthink stuff. I mean, go through a routine if you need to. But a lot of times, I go up there. I do one little practice guy where I do like one step forward and then I go back, take two seconds and I putt it. I am thinking I'm going to make it. I don't have to spend much time behind the disc deliberating that. I've already convinced myself I'm going to run it by that time I get up there. So then it's just looking at it, identifying the line, visualizing it going in and just let it go. And then start walking down. Trust yourself. <laughs> like, have the confidence past the release of the disc of, I know I'm going to be able to grab the disc out of the basket flawlessly. Like, I don't want to drop it. <laughs> like, if you're thinking about that, then the first part's easy. Agreed. I love that attitude of walking it down no matter what. I have been in my fair share of situations where I do be running that thing down for it to hit either the very bottom of the band or the very top of the cage and it not go in. And that is a awkward stop and then if you're playing with someone getting heckled but then you go make ah. the next play it doesn't matter so yeah. hey raven this has been a fantastic episode <laughs> really enjoyed you know hearing more about your journey as well as how to become a better putter i know that i'm going to take some of these tips to the practice basket tonight and this weekend for sure <laughs> so where can people continue to connect with you follow more of your journey uh, Instagram. I, I have a, a bunch of stuff on, on Instagram. It's been growing like crazy, which has been really fun. Uh, so I, I've been enjoying that. I think 
uh, I, that is definitely one of the best places to keep up with where I'm at currently. And then also, uh, following on YouTube, uh, my YouTube channel, I have a, I have a video editor now. So we got, I got filming equipment I got the whole shebang and he's editing all the time and we're going to have fluid content coming out, uh, pretty frequently, which I'm very excited about. And, uh, we have a blindfolded round coming out soon. So playing an entire course blindfolded with uh, one of the local guys there, and that's very hard, and it's very fun, and we throw really, really bad shots, and I also make some crazy putts blindfolded through the woods. So it's wow. fun. It's worth it. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I'm going to have to tap into that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can find a lot of my uh, stuff on the MVP website. Uh, we have we have a bunch of this up, and also at luckyacedisc.com. Uh, they're they're big retail sponsors of mine. They're awesome people, and they have a uh, they have a huge selection of my stuff coming in, which is great. So go check them out. Give them uh, all the stuff that they sell helps me, and that's that's always really helpful. And then uh, if you go to Chains or Die, Howie is is a great dude. Uh, it's it's one of the other places that you can really connect with me. I have. A bunch of discs from last year that uh, he has up on his site that are awesome and he dyes a bunch of discs we have like dyed ones we have regular ones so if there's discs that you're ever interested in check his site out he's got a bunch of mvp stuff with my name on it which is nice and then uh, drive bags they have they have bags on uh, their site that have my logo and all that cool stuff on it so they're really good people I like all them, and then uh, finally, uh, my Michael Kirsch, uh, your favorite mortgage lender. He does a bunch of he does mortgages for lots of uh, closing houses and different things like that. He is incredible. He is a big fan of disc golf. He has been a part of the disc golf community in Raleigh. Even if you're not in state, check him out. He is very very good people, and he can help you figure out your mortgage for your house because he is very good at his job so always a kind guy he's been supporting me since i started going on tour all the best love that you can give them is is huge yeah and as someone who has bought a house now a couple of times i cannot tell you how important it is to have somebody in your corner who you can trust and talk to and ask questions about that. So that's a really, really good shout there, Raven. And like I said, guys, this has been a fantastic episode. Hopefully you enjoyed. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you did enjoy. And if you want to hear a little bit more from Raven, make sure you join us on the bonus Patreon podcast that is Beyond the Chains. That's going to be uh, patreon.com backslash chain clankers. You can get in there for as little as $5 a month and you'll get access to this as well as a lot of other awesome things. You know, we have our OTB mystery box giveaway every month. So make sure you tap in over there and we will see you guys next week.